morning. What a great day to be together as we get to celebrate something that feels very common because we talk about it so often, um, but is incredibly unique. Um, there, there are points in time in our history that are life-changing. If you could probably think of those in your life, like that moment changed me. This, this moment um, had an impact and our family story was never the same and the reality is that on the morning that Jesus rose from the dead that's what we celebrate a moment where nothing would ever be set the same again it wasn't just one family that changed but every family that changed because the word of God had come in the flesh and done something that none of us could do which is conquer the death and, and conquer grave and the death and that's kind of what I want to talk about today because we live in a society where we like to have a grip, a firm grip on things. Amen? I mean, we, we like knowing that, and, and I am, I'm the worst example of it. We love playing games at our house. Um, Christy and the kids love doing puzzles. Did you ever, do you remember, maybe growing up, maybe you've done one recently, those puzzles that were a square that they had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, but there's one space open, and they're all out of order? right and i'm not good at puzzles if you ever do an escape room with me it's a compliment because it means i think you're smart enough to get out and i can take the credit you, you right right like that's i just am not great at seeing seeing that but anytime i remember with my kids growing up or even christy when they have a puzzle and they're moving it around do you know what i'm doing right over their shoulder try try this i i know that i'm bad and yet I still want to give instruction. Anyone else like that in this room? It's a confession moment for you. Thanks for making me feel like I'm not alone, three of you. That's fine. But, <laughs> but, but puzzles are just, they're such a challenge for me. And when we get together on breaks and whatnot, there are puzzles at our house all the time. And, and there are very many times where I want to pitch in. I'll grab one piece of puzzle and I'll stand there and I'll look and I'll look and I'll look. And I'll say, maybe here, maybe here, maybe here. And then finally, Christy will look at the piece and say, let me see. No, it goes here. Are you cheating? Like, is there a puzzle map that I don't know about that some of you know? And, and I was just reading through that, and, and I, I, I thought as we talk about the, the resurrection and the empty tomb, for many, it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle that we want to get a grip on. It's a puzzle that we want to articulate. It, it, there's something about life. There's something about reward that we have been trained to say, I want a piece of that action. You know what I mean? Like, I want to have a part in that. It's why everybody gets a ribbon still. We'll talk about that in a different sermon. But there's something about puzzles that really challenge us. In fact, I started reading about jigsaw puzzles and started getting depressed. Apparently, I'm not in the minority of Americans. 48%, that's right, not the majority, of Americans do at least one puzzle a year. That means half of you are weird. That's all I'm just saying. 48% do it. Um, 1.8 billion jigsaw puzzles were purchased this year, um, which is insane. Now, this made me feel better. We spend about three hours annually on jigsaw puzzles. Three hours, I was like, three hours annually. That y'all, we are setting a low bar. If you're a puzzle person, three hours annually. But puzzles weren't originally created just to challenge you the first jigsaw puzzle was created to teach so that the the master teacher his name was john silsbury teaching a bunch of 
uh, children, elementary age and older children. He was trying to teach them where the continents and the countries were. And so he got this map and he drew it on this board and he had someone cut out pieces and then he used it to teach his children where the countries properly were in relationship to one another. When I read that, it's the first time I ever liked a puzzle. It has a purpose. It's not just to make me feel silly and dumb. You with me? Like, hey, go play a video game, David. You can jump over barrels and have a gorilla throw them at you. You know, it, it really has a, a point to it. It's not just to challenge you. It's to guide you to the truth. That was the purpose of the first jigsaw puzzle. And when we look at the empty tomb and the resurrection, you and I aren't meant to, to just figure out something random. What we're meant to do is we're meant to follow the lead that the master has laid out so that we can end up with a proper understanding of something. I believe in the year 2000, 2010, someone actually created a puzzle that never ended. It never had a solution. It, it ends up being a spiral where the first piece adds to the last piece. That's just to make you angry, okay? That's not to teach you. But the tomb is a puzzle that the master always planned for you and I to find out and discover the proper answer to. So read with me in the book of Mark, chapter 16, verse 1 through 6, uh, verse 1 through 8. We'll walk through that, and then we'll walk through the story and the lesson that God has for us on this resurrection morning. Verse 1, Mark chapter 16, says it this way. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices that they might go and anoint him. That's Jesus. And the very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb and they were saying to one another, who will roll the stone away from, uh, for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb for trembling and astonishment that seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. In this passage, we get all of the story. In these few short verses, I would tell you in verse 5, 6, and 7, we really get this big picture, this unlocking of this puzzle that men and women have been trying to solve our whole life. Because you see, emptiness demands an answer. Emptiness demands an answer. When we are empty in relationships, we want to fill it with relationships. When we are empty in being valued, we do actions to make us feel valued. When we are empty with purpose, we start seeking different things that may give us purpose and, and direction. Emptiness demands something, but it never solves anything. See, emptiness demands an answer but it never provides a solution. It only raises questions. And, and that's exactly why the tomb was empty of the body of Jesus that day. 
You see, God wanted to raise that question in the hearts of his people. God wanted to bring this out in abundance. And to do so, he broke the norm. Every other time in history, when someone dies and they go into that tomb and the stone is there, especially with the seal on it, when the stone is rolled away and you go in, there is the remains of someone who has died. The only other answer is that robbers have come in and, and really they just take the stuff. And so something is empty and it demands a problem. Uh, Christy, I feel like we've bought 15 puzzles this year. I, I just feel like it's been a puzzly year for us. But do you know what's amazing? Out of all the puzzles we've bought, all but one, I think, have been missing pieces. Not just one that I stole to feel smart. You follow me? It's not, it's not that. Like they're missing 12 or 13 pieces, right? So they're getting to the end, and all of a sudden, our dog is blamed for everything. You know, I'm surprised she's still alive. Because no one has ever said in my house when they have worked hours and days on a puzzle and there's pieces missing like hey I'm okay with that good job high five that does not happen you know weeping and gnashing of teeth that occurs because something is missing and it raises a question and the question demands to be answered well, on that morning, the ladies, they walk to the tomb and they see the tomb. In verse 5, it says, and they were alarmed. They were astonished. Their breath was taken away because something that was supposed to be there is not, and it has only led to confusion. Now, can you imagine if this is where the story of the resurrection ended? Could you imagine if the Lord just stopped right there in the middle of it and didn't enlighten, didn't provide anything else? He just said, and now you make up how it goes from here. It would be like a thousand stories that led to nowhere, tons of promise and great disappointment. See, there's a hint in the middle of this. John tells us in John chapter 1, verse 5. He says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Here's what I want you to know. If you are seeking Jesus this morning, Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the light has to, that has come to expose the darkness. Jesus is the one who provides the answer and direction. If you are following something this morning and it is leading you to confusion and darkness, then I want you to listen close because that is not Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't leave you in the dark. He always extends a hand to trust and light to see. And that's exactly what he did in the resurrection. He didn't leave them there and just say, well, this will be fun. Whoever figures it out, they get a trophy in heaven and everybody else. Yeah, sorry for you. Because he's good. The tomb was not meant to be the answer. It was meant to raise a question. And the question required, it demanded revelation. It demanded insight in these things. When you read Matthew chapter 28, verse 11 through 15, you find out that, that this empty tomb, it caused a problem in the world. And, and people had to think of something quickly. If you go through these verses, the soldiers that were there after they got up and walked away after being totally laid out, by the angel who rolled away the tomb they go to the chief priests and they tell them what happened and the chief priest said no worries 
here's a little money and here's the story we've, we've got your back there's something about false revelation that has a marker in it there's a look you can know for even if it's coming from a pulpit if it's coming from your mom a friend or a trusted person a false revelation needs information from you and then it needs something more than an answer to help you cling to something you're unsure of you see for the chief priests they needed to know what was happened in order to contrive a story and in order to make the men stick to their story they had to give them a little something in return they had to sweeten the pot and sweeten the deal if you want to look for false revelation look for artificial sweeteners in the answers people provide something's wrong something's just not right church jesus doesn't need anything from you and he's enough he doesn't have to sweeten the pot so that you'll play along and that's exactly what happens in the tomb if you have your bible i want you to do this first i want you to look with me in verse five and six as we start this journey of revelation Verse 5 says, In entering the tomb, they saw a young man dressed on the right side, sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Just a, a stop real quick. This is intentional imagery of an angel. An angel is not like some rogue movie figure of today. An angel is a messenger of the Lord. He does what the Lord says. That's it. And so this imagery is one who is speaking what the Lord has told him to speak, not making it up as he goes verse 6 and he said to them do not be alarmed you seek Jesus of Nazareth who is crucified he is risen he is not here see the place where they laid him see the first thing I want you to know is the revelation of God doesn't need you because the Lord knows your heart the angel speaks up here and, and the ladies come in and they're alarmed and he says I see you're alarmed there's no need to be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. You see, they didn't have to enlighten the Lord on, on why they were there. They didn't have to tell the angel what was going on. The Lord already knew their heart. The revelation of God is clear on the front end. These ladies woke up that morning. It says early in the morning. And in verse 1 through 3, it gives us this amazing account of, of love that is not enlightened. These ladies get together, they get up early in the morning, they gather oil and spices to go and anoint Jesus. You see, because when he came off the cross in a criminal's burial, so to speak, although at Nicodemus, they, they found a tomb for him, he wasn't treated properly. So these women loved Jesus and they thought he needs something from us. And so they filled their arms with spices and oil and they walked without a plan. Who's going to roll the stone away? Jesus needs us. We will not let him die this way. See, the Lord knew that. For you and I, I don't know if this is the first time you've been in church in a long time or if you're here every week. I don't know if this morning was wonderful and everybody got dressed on their own or if you fought until you got in the door, right? <laughs> okay, well, now I know. But still, 
I don't know if you even want to be here or feel like it. But it doesn't matter because the Lord knows why you're here and how you got here and he still has revelation waiting. I think there are many times when we feel like we need to get to a certain standard. I remember growing up and our household was a little lively and if it got lively enough, someone would say, that's it, I'm not going to church like this. Listen, even at your worst, the empty tomb has questions that are meant to be raised in your heart. And so you come, you come in your mess, you come as you are, you come with a great attitude, you come with a bad attitude. It doesn't matter because if you come, then you get to know the Lord already knows your heart, whether you're at home or away, and he knows what you're seeking. These ladies sought Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was crucified and dead. That's what they came seeking. They didn't come seeking hope. They didn't come seeking a release. They didn't come seeking something good. They came mourning to find death. That was their intent. And some of us walking through life are just trying to manage a little bit of life until death finds us. And what I want you to know is it doesn't matter your intent because God knows your heart. If you are here this morning, here's what I want you to know. You may not be seeking life in the right places, but the empty tomb is meant to point you to where it really is. And so it says, you seek Jesus who is dead. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, the one who is crucified. They came unprepared for the truth because they thought they knew the answer. Aren't you glad that Revelation doesn't stop there? I think this is almost like a Pharaoh in Egypt and the magicians copying Moses when he does some of the different things, throwing a staff to the ground and making it turn into a stake. You know, in, in the Old Testament, when God was saying, let my people go, when there was an exodus, the enemy, the sinful men, they copied, they mimicked some of the miracles that God gave to Moses. But there came a point in time when they could no longer copy because they could not keep up. It was impossible what God was doing. In this point, I think there are some times in our life where man-centered wisdom, where man-centered revelation can say, I know what you're looking for. If it just stopped there, it wouldn't be enough. Because a lot of us think what we're looking for it, it, and just someone knowing it, that there's some revelation. Like there's some palm reading and just knowing the truth. That's necessary, but it's not enough. Because in verse 6, something else happens. This angel, this messenger of God says, I know you came unprepared. I know what you're looking for and you're missing the mark. But he says, I know something else and I want you to know. Look back in your Bible in verse 6. It, it, it says this. Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See, the real revelation of God of the empty tomb, it corrects your poor assumptions. He says, you came looking for this, but I'm telling you, Jesus has risen. He is not here. He has risen. Something different. What you expected is completely wrong. Going back to those puzzles that we do, it doesn't take much. I can stand looking for hour for where my puzzle piece goes. 
But, but when Christy takes it, she never just puts it in a random space and says, it goes there. Like, if anyone ever does that to you, they're cheating. She doesn't just say, I know there's nothing around you to point it to it. Just put it here. It's in this, in this area. It goes right here. She takes it and links it to something, to another piece that starts to unpack the puzzle. You see, the Lord corrects their wrong assumptions. They're alarmed because he's gone. And he says, don't be alarmed. Your assumption was wrong. Be thankful. Don't be worried that you've missed it up until now. Be thankful. Your assumptions were wrong. Give God glory. Church, how amazing is it that you and I aren't always right? Ooh, look to your spouse real quick and say, do you hear that? Right. How good is it? Because you are broken and fallen. You are imperfect. And even when you try to cover your tracks, you and I miss the point. And praise God that on the biggest thing, on the greatest day, the key to life eternal, it's not just some game that we're playing. It's not just a basic puzzle. You and I are dead in our sins. We are living with the wrong assumptions. We are trying to solve a puzzle that you aren't able, you're not smart enough to figure out. And God loves you so much that says, I will gladly show you the tomb is empty, your puzzle piece is wrong, and I will point you to the correct place. That's what the angel does this morning with the ladies. He corrects their expectation and he reveals the truth. Church, this is where humility comes into play in the resurrection. The resurrection only has power for life if you submit to the lordship of the one giving the revelation. That's it. If you don't submit to the one who gives the revelation, the resurrection doesn't have life to give you. It's a testimony, a witness against you. That's what scripture points to. You see, you and I have to be willing to let the Lord correct us. And how much more powerful is it to respond with confession than some front of false confidence? Church, I get it. Man-made wisdom man-made revelation that doesn't have it all together has this idea of fake it till you make it let me let me tell you the truth and the reality of this if you want to destroy your marriage never confess when you were wrong if you want to tear apart relationships never humble yourself and say i want to listen i want to learn always defend your ground like it or not right or wrong go down with the ship if you want to go to death and the grave and experience all that death has for you stick to your line stick to your gun stay angry stay in control better to go to Priceless eternity, never having to admit a fault, you might say. It's not worth it. And some of you in this room, 
that submission, that confession, that correction has been the part of the revelation that you have never been willing to tolerate. And this morning, I'm telling you, it's the only way that we see the answer of the empty tomb. He says, you seek Jesus, I know your heart. He is not here, he is risen. Let me correct your assumptions. And then go to the next part. Go and see the place where they laid him. This is an amazing part. The Lord invites you in real revelation to investigate the truth. God's not afraid of you seeing what's behind the curtain like the Wizard of Oz and being disappointed. God's not worried that you've been in 400 churches and you feel like you've been deceived left and right. God's not worried that you have been led astray, that you have been getting information from these places. God is not concerned with all these things. The world, false houses, straw houses, our weak egos, they don't want anyone to investigate because that, that exposes the reality that we don't know. Let me tell you the truth this morning that we know when you die, you are eternal. God made you for eternity. And knowing that, his plan all along was for you to have life with him for eternity, for you to taste how good he is, to see how good he is every day, for your children to know it, for your parents to know it. That was always his plan. And he invites you to check him out you see when we mix the revelation of God and our personal revelation I think that's where we normally find ourselves flawed in our understanding of the resurrection see part of our Christian walk is hearing the truth when we come together in church in Bible study but God didn't invite you to just sit and to listen to someone else's investigation, did he? Are you brave enough to investigate for yourself? If you were to walk into the empty tomb and Jesus wasn't there, and the angel said, go and see where they laid him, would you say, excuse me just a minute, let me go get my pastor real quick, he needs to check this out first. Right? No way. You, you would want to see first. In your life, if you walk with Christ, the Lord invites you to investigate over and over, day in and day out. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, the one who overcame death in the grave this morning, Jesus is not scared of you. Are you scared of him? I had a young man that I got to visit with not long ago who didn't like thinking about hell about being separated from Christ and so he said I don't want to know more because I can't believe the invitation is a command but it's not forced will you go and see for yourself that God's word is true that revelation of God is true Jesus invited Thomas touch my wounds he didn't say just believe he said touch it you want to find out here you go in the act the book of acts paul said the berean people they were good and trustworthy and and men and women who 
had integrity because they didn't just take someone's word for it. They investigated. Jesus is inviting you to investigate the truth of who he is today. Maybe this morning you have never done that. I want you to know the Lord is not afraid of you. He's asking you, pick up a piece of that puzzle and let me show you where it goes you won't find him to be false. You will find pastors to be broken. You will find Sunday school leaders to be wanting. You will find spouses to not be enough. You will find a lot of reasons to say there are other people who are broken. So if they didn't do it, why should I go investigate? I, I want you to know, if you're married in this room, there are hundreds and thousands and thousands of marriages that will fall apart this year. Because there are so many good people failing, does that mean you should just throw in the towel? Man, never. Because my family, my wife, is worth pursuing even if someone else's is not. Even if it's bad, even if it's hurting, even if it's broken, they're worth it. This year I would have been married, I would have been married to Christy, not would have been, she's on the piano, she's still with us. <laughs> For 25 years, right? If the Lord gives us another 25, that's incredible, that's a long time. But it is nothing compared with eternity, church. And if I am willing to investigate the claims of truth because I esteem my marriage. How much more should we be willing to investigate the empty tomb and the promise and the claims of Jesus Christ? Because eternity is more important. The teacher has made this puzzle. And on the day of the resurrection, all the pieces were taken out and the tomb was empty. And so that the ladies would see it and so that you and I would see the record of it. He said, do you want to know the truth? I know your heart because I made you. I know what you seek. Your assumptions are wrong. You know you're broken. You know you're not perfect. So let me correct you. Go and see, investigate for yourself. Does the puzzle piece and the claims of the impossible see if they fit? I made the puzzle. I know they will. Don't be embarrassed that you've never done this before. Don't be embarrassed that you've never got this before. Who could? Who could pay that debt? Who has lived that has never died? You're not dumb. It's impossible. That's why I sent my son. That's the only way that puzzle piece fits. Seek and you'll find. Knock and I'll answer. But there's one more piece. He says, after you go and see, verse 
verse 7. Go and tell. Go and tell. Don't keep it quiet. Don't be silent. But here's what I want you to go and tell. I want you to go tell them what you have seen. And here's how I want you to close the sentence in verse 7. But go and tell the disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he said. Let them know. Nothing was ever out of order. The plan was not wrong. The one who was in control is still in control and he's always been in control. Church, this morning, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you are keeping your lips from telling others because you don't know enough, because your, your life is not a perfect match, here's the blessing. It was never about you. You don't have to be embarrassed or afraid. Just as he said, it's always been about Jesus. Easter Sunday morning, it's wonderful to be with family. Easter Sunday morning, it's amazing to think about all the pictures and the things that you'll do, what you're having for lunch, but it's not about those things. It's about the empty tomb that raised a question that corrected wrong thinking that demanded an investigation that changed history. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you. As we come to you today, Lord, we get it. We don't always like saying it, Lord. We, we like looking put together. We like having a story that's sewn up and that people compliment. Lord, we, we, we enjoy that. So Lord, rob us from that confidence. Just like you did those women, when they walked to the grave, they were mourning, but they were certain of what they would find. And when they didn't find what they thought, it took their breath away. God, take our breath away. Catch us. Lord, raise questions that we have never pursued so we would find the truth that we would never have known. If there's a man or a woman, a boy or a girl in this room, Lord, that has at any point stopped short of chasing down the questions of the empty tomb, Lord, would you woo them to you? Would you draw them to you? Would you allow them to be humble before you so that they may receive what is actually true? Guard our hearts and minds, Jesus, from fictitious answers, from false leaders are obviously just trying to have control or covering for what they don't know. Lord, we thank you for families and games and fun and joy. But today, Lord, let us be thankful that you solved the puzzle that you made not to trick us, but to teach us, to draw us, to point us to life in Jesus. In his name, amen. Would you stand with me this